What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Really appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy few long days for myself and Bills fans across the world. Um, an unfortunate outcome in the AFC Championship as the Chiefs pretty much destroy the Bills 38-24. Um, that score really doesn't show how badly the Chiefs outplayed us. You know, we were outplayed, outcoached in pretty much every facet of the game. So I'm going to be going into kind of a deep dive of what I thought of the game, um, my takeaways from it, going into what, you know, the Bills need to do in the offseason, looking at some free agents, potential trade possibilities, um, things of that nature, and we'll close out today's show with some Sabres talk. Just going out over the game, though, um, started off really well. You know, you get three on your first drive, you get a punt by Kansas City, you know, it was a drop by Tyreek Hill, but, you know, you get them to punt, you know, the Bills gain a few first downs, end up punting it away, they fumble it, Josh Allen ends up converting the next play to Dawson Knox for a touchdown, um, we miss the extra point, so we're up 9-0 early, and then the Chiefs kind of come storming back, um, one of the signature plays of the game was on a second down play where they kind of threw... A swing pass out in the flat to Devin Singletary with no one within probably 10 to 15 yards of him. Tyron Matthews was kind of playing off pretty deep. Um, and Devin Singletary clearly looks up to see where he is, ends up dropping the ball. We then go into a third and seven situation, don't get it. Um, so definitely a game-changing play there. Um, I don't know if the Bills necessarily score a touchdown, but you pretty much guarantee at least three points based on the way Bass had been kicking. Um, to potentially continue to grow on that lead. Then just coaching decisions all over. You really question what the game plan was going into the week. I don't really know what Leslie Frazier had planned on defense because we could not stop Tyreek Hill. We could not stop Travis Kelsey. We had zero pressure on Patrick Mahomes all day. The few chances we did get to sack him, we didn't. Um, just overall not well done by the coaching staff. Brian Dable, like, I'm obviously happy that he is back. I think continuity is super important, um, especially for a young team like the Bills to get back to where they were this year um, and obviously reach the goal of winning the Super Bowl. But it's games like that where you start to wonder maybe that's why teams didn't want to give him a job yet because – in the playoffs, quite honestly, Dable's play calling was lackluster throughout the entire course of the season, no matter what team you played, whether it was the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Jets, or if it was the Steelers, the 49ers, um, the Chiefs, whoever it was during the regular season, like Dable had all these nice trick plays called up, like the Cole Beasley pass to Gabe Davis. You know, you ha you saw glimpses of it throughout the whole regular season with McKenzie on the end of round, the pass from McKenzie to Allen against Arizona. And we hit the playoffs and it just like, he went to a completely vanilla game plan. 
And I think the offense showed flashes of what it looked like in the regular season against the Colts. I think they had a lot more, you know, long drives in that game. Um, against Baltimore, they had the one good drive out of halftime, but they didn't really look sound on offense. And against the Chiefs, they just didn't look like they had any juice. Like, there was no deep shots to Diggs. I just, you know, Diggs is your playmaker. You came into the game knowing you can't run the ball with Singletary and Yeldon. You haven't shown all year that you haven't been able to run the ball. And you kind of lived and died by Josh's arm. And I just felt like they didn't even let that happen. If you're going to go out in this game against the Chiefs, you might as well let it be on Josh's arm. And I knew he threw it 48 times, you know, for 287, two touchdowns. He had a pick that went off John Brown's hands, 88 rushing yards. But you should have been game planning to use Allen's legs if that's what you were going to do. Half those rushing yards came way late in the game when the game was well out of hand. And Josh was scrambling for his life. Our offensive line was dominated all day. I didn't get why we gave Yeldon and Singletary so many carries. We really weren't that effective running the ball. Cole Beasley yesterday announced he played on a broken leg, basically, um, since the Patriots game. He led you with seven receptions for 88 yards. Diggs only had six catches for 77 on 13 targets. John Brown, huge disappointment, two receptions for 24. Gabe Davis, zero receptions for three target on three targets. You know, the whole offensive game plan, I just didn't understand. I also don't understand why Kenny Stills did not play. If you already knew what Beasley was going through, which we had no idea, not to mention Davis was clearly hampered by that ankle. You're talking about a completely healthy Kenny Stills who hadn't played, you know, really a down of football yet this year and has only been pressing as the healthiest receiver probably in all of the playoffs right now. And you don't give him a shot. To me, that's just mind-boggling. And it all comes back down to the Bills right now are one-dimensional. You know, our defense is solid, even though it didn't, you know, obviously look like that against the Chiefs. But all year, you couldn't get a ground game established. And I've been saying it for weeks. At some point, when teams are able to shut down Josh in the passing game, you have to have a run game to lean on to at least get you back into it, let Josh get back into a rhythm. And, you know, he was running for his life all game, and we had no success running the ball so it's going to be a major thing the Bills have to look at in the offseason dressing um I like Devin Singletary I think he's a good young player I just don't know um if you hold on to him if you try to move him I'll kind of talk about that in a little bit the Chiefs are just on a different level though I don't even think like the field goal choices by McDermott were already suspect as is I kind of understand why you kicked the field goal before half just because you want to get points and if your defense somehow manages to get one stop out of halftime and your offense goes down and scores you're right in the game but your defense couldn't stop him all day and then when you did it again in the third quarter it kind of just like it's almost like the Tom Brady effect but now it's with Mahomes you know 15's on the opposite sideline you're not going to win kicking field goals and McDermott you know give him credit for admitting after the game that he was probably wrong in that decision. But, you know, it's a very successful season for the Bills. It's a great learning experience. I truly do think that we are going to be back. You know, it's a really crappy feeling just because, you know, Bills fans, myself, all Bills fans across the country and the world have waited so long for this moment 
And, you know, the progression's been clear. The first year with McDermott, you know, we end up going to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor's quarterback and a really bad roster. The first year we get Josh, we clearly missed the playoffs. Second year with Josh, we suffer a heartbreaking loss to the Texans. And then Josh's third year, you get to the AFC Championship and lose to a juggernaut in the Kansas City Chiefs. So the progression is there. And if we can continue on that, you know, trajectory, there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to be back and this team is going to win a Super Bowl one day. If Josh continues to do his thing, Stephon Diggs and him have a full offseason to continue to get better. Cole Beasley is going to be back. Gabe Davis's development. If you can add a few pieces, I do think you're right there. I do think the Bills more troubles on the defensive side of the ball more than the offense side of the ball. Like I said, the continuity is a big factor, even if Leslie Frazier decides to take a head coaching job with the Texans. Um, it hasn't been announced yet if he's even going to get offered that job, but he is having a second interview. It's a very large offseason ahead for the Bills. A lot of it's going to be a domino effect based on a lot of the quarterback trades. We don't know what Deshaun Watson is going to, where he's going to be playing. He could end up being in our division, but you could kind of take, you know, Bills fans would have signed up for being in this game and losing to the Chiefs at the beginning of the season. It's obviously not the way you wanted to go out. I think a lot of Bills fans would have rather just been in a tight shootout and lost this game than to come out and play the way they did. Um, but I also think it's a great learning experience for a young team. And I think it's great for McDermott. I know he's been here before, but not as a head coach. So I think it's going to be good for him. And then you look at the Chiefs losing to the Patriots a few years ago. I'm not saying it's the same situation because the Chiefs actually had that game won before a player lined up offsides and ended up losing in overtime. But it almost has that same type of feel where now the Bills know how good the Chiefs are and how much more they truly need to grow to beat them. And I think this is going to be a rivalry going back and forth um, for many years to come, hopefully for AFC Championships and Super Bowls. And then kind of building off of that, I don't want to go too deep into, you know, free agency and stuff like that, but I do think it's worth talking about. Obviously, I'll be talking about it more once, you know, the offseason really gears up and you have a better idea of what's going on. But just a quick look of the list of the Bills free agents. You have Trent Murphy, Tyler Croft, Matt Milano, Josh Norman, and Secchi, Feliciano, Winters, Roberts, Daryl Williams, Matt Barkley, Taiwan Jones, TJ Yeldon, D. Marlowe, Isaiah McKenzie, Andre Smith, Corey Bajorquez, and Levi Wallace. Of those players, the most important two to me are Matt Milano and Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams only 28, still relatively young for an offensive lineman. Had a stellar year. I know it didn't look like that against the Chiefs, but a guy that I think is a no-brainer to bring back. Same thing with Matt Milano. That would be a gigantic hole you would have to fill. You could clearly tell that when Matt Milano plays, how much of a different this defense is. That was the first game this year that the Bills lost with Matt Milano playing. Him and Edmonds, I think, are only going to continue to get better and grow together. So those two are the big ones. Other than that, Trent Murphy, Josh Norman, and Secchi, those guys, I'm going to be letting walk personally. They're just getting up there in age. They didn't produce and aren't the same players they once were. John Feliciano is definitely a guy I would bring back. Um, one, for he's this type of player, as we saw, will stand up for his quarterback um, he's kind of a very gritty guy, great lineman. You could tell how much better the line was when he got back. And I think Feliciano, all the offensive line, is the best run blocker, which I think we need to hopeful that Cody Ford can develop as a good run blocker. And now that he'll have a full offseason to be in that position. I think 
people underestimate how good Cody Ford could be. I mean, he's bounced around positions now for his first two years in the NFL, and now he's dealing with an injury. He hasn't had really a full training camp or offseason at one position. If you can put him in the guard spot where Ike Bucker has been, and you can establish a run behind, you know, him, Feliciano, and Morse, I think you're going to be well set up for next year. Brian Winters, I can kind of give or take. I understand if you can get him cheap for, you know, a backup role. Andre Roberts obviously has a great role special teams-wise, but I would personally let him walk based on the fact that Isaiah McKenzie is 25, can do same things. You saw him return a touchdown against the Miami Dolphins in Week 17. A um, lot younger, can do the same things. It's going to be cheaper than Andre Roberts, and he already plays a more vital role in your offense on these you know, end arounds, the toss plays, all that sort of things. Um, Taiwan Jones, I think, is gone. D. Marlowe, I would bring back just as a depth guy. Same thing with Corey Bajorquez. Corey Bajorquez is a no-brainer to bring back. Uh, TJ Yeldon, honestly, is a wild card because he kind of took over for Devin Singletary's struggles and actually did a decent job. If he's going to be, you know, a third guy over Singletary, I'd be fine with that. I think you'd have to move Singletary. Matt Barkley is another question mark because I think you'd hope that Jake Fromm can develop to be the backup. And I'm not sure if I want to bring back Matt Barkley and pay him more than a vet minimum. If you get him back for that, I think it's fine bringing him back. Some of the guys that could be, you know, cut or traded that um, I think would be good for the Bills just because they're going to have to free up money to get Milano and Williams re-signed, which I think they want to do. And there's just other needs the Bills have to go out um, and address so they need to get some money. So I'm looking at Mario Addison, really down year. He has an average salary of $10 million through 2023. John Brown, I really like John Brown, but his average salary is about $9 million for a 30-year-old receiver who was injury-plagued all year. I know when he's fully healthy that I think him, Diggs, and Beasley are great together. He signed through 2022. He just wasn't what you needed him to be in the playoffs. You're going to take a long, hard look at him. If he was willing to do a contract restructure and get an average salary down into that 4 to $6 million range, I have no problem bringing him back. But at $9 million, you're better off going out and trying to get a better, younger receiver. Um, Gabe Davis showed nice development. I just don't want to throw him into that number two role immediately. Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson, I don't know if, the Bills would be willing to let them go because they just signed. They're signed through 2022 and only 26, 27 years old. However, they didn't produce as much as I don't think everyone else wanted them to this year. Butler's at 7.5 average salary, 6.75 for Jefferson. We don't know what's going to happen with Star Latule. You could tell the difference um, with Ed Oliver, and I was a little disappointed with Oliver's you know play this year, but you could definitely tell you need to add more defensive depth all the way across the line. Devin Singletary is going to be an interesting name just because of his lack of production. And it was clear by the end of the year it was Zach Boss's backfield. And Singletary's just had way too many drops. I don't know if you'd be able to flip him for a pick or another player in a deal. I think it's something the Bills should explore. AJ Klein had good moments and is a good veteran. But at $6 million a year, I think it could be spent elsewhere, especially if you can address that other linebacking spot whether it's draft, trade, or free agency, there's definitely better players that would help the Bills' defense more than A.J. Klein. We need to, you look at what happened against the Chiefs. We just don't have guys that are fast enough to keep up with these running backs and wide receivers or just guys that can get after the quarterback 
Um, AJ Klein was not the same player he was after that, you know, big Seattle game that he had. And then Lee Smith, obviously a great locker room culture guy, but for $3 million, I'm moving on from him, whether it's cutting him or trading him, whatever. Um, offensively, we definitely need some more depth at offensive guard and O-line in general, running back and tight end. Defensively, you need that cornerback outside of Tredavious White. Linebacker, you need another guy next to Milano and Edmonds. Like I just talked about, you need defensive line and defensive end. Um, badly, you need to be able to pressure the quarterback. Mahomes had all day to throw. You go out and get an elite pass rusher, and I think you set yourself up a lot better for the future with the Bills. Um, looking at some free agents just in the offseason, I'm not going to go really in-depth um, too much, but Jadavion Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe um, are a few names that really pop out for defensive ends. Bud Dupree is going to be coming off of an injury in Pittsburgh. I have, uh, you know, I really don't think that he won't end up back in Pittsburgh, but it's worth a look. Hassan Reddick's a guy I've been talking about for a while from the Arizona Cardinals. I think would be a great fit next to Edmonds and Milano because Reddick can really get after the quarterback and cover running backs out of the backfield. And you're going to allow, you know, Edmonds um, to do his thing and Milano to kind of drop back instead of having to have him rush because he's one of your better rushers, but Edmonds is way worse of a pass defender. Um, Allen Robinson's an interesting name because if you were to move on from John Brown, obviously Allen Robinson would have a big contract, but if you truly didn't want to address your running back and just go all in on pass-heavy offense, him next to Stephon Diggs would be really interesting with Cole Beasley in the slot. I just don't think the Bills are going to go out and spend a wide receiver um or money on a wide receiver like him, but just a name definitely to keep an eye on. Hunter Henry at tight end is very interesting because I think Dawson Knox is still a ways to go on developing, and you could tell how much Josh needed a security blanket like that. Um, I know Cole Beasley was kind of that guy, but adding a good tight end to your offense who's consistent I think would take this offense to a whole new level. And a running back that I'd actually really like them to explore getting is James White, just because you really miss that pass-catching running back you know, you had LaShawn McCoy be able to do it for so many years for Tyrod Taylor out of the backfield. I think you kind of need that for Josh Allen as well. Um, Zach Moss has shown flashes he can catch it out of the backfield, but James White's really a receiving back. I think would complement on the offense nicely, not to mention that Brian Dable knows him from his time in New England. And then just some trade targets, whether it's next year or the year after, um, with guys who are going to be having expiring deals in a year or two. The Bills could explore going after whether there's in bad situations or their future's uncertain. The big names that I'd be looking at if I was the Bills would be J.J. Watt based on the Texans' whole, you know, who knows what's going on in that organization because it's Deshaun Watson and everything. He has a very friendly deal as far as cap situation um, for the Bills if they wanted to go and get him. Kawan Short's an interesting name. I think he'd fit nicely next to Ed Oliver, also a Carolina guy. Have to always throw one of them in there. Brandon Graham and Zach Ertz, both from the Eagles, a very bad situation there with, you know, ownership, general manager, head coach, all the way down. I think Zach Ertz is a guy I've talked about multiple times on this podcast about going out. Um, later stage of his career, decent contract. I think he'd really help the Bills offense. And then a couple guys that are contract expiring in a few years. Kwan Alexander, linebacker that got traded to the Saints, is a guy I just don't know if they're going to have the money to re-sign him in the future if you want to go out and get him to add in your linebacking core. Geno Atkins, obviously frustrated where he's at. And then James Bradbury, I don't know if he wants to stay with the Giants. I think he more signed there because he wanted to prove himself and he's clearly a really good cornerback. You know, also 
linked to Carolina as well. I think he'd be great outside of Tredavious White. And then I'm not really going to touch on the draft too much. I think running back is a position that you could look at late in the first round with Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, any of those guys. Um, obviously, running backs in the first round are always a little bit scary, but with the Bills having the 30th pick, I really don't think it's a huge you know, gamble taking one there unless there's a better player available that you need at another position. Um, definitely worth a look. But that's really all I have on the Bills. Overall, great season. It's definitely the funnest season I've ever had watching football. I'm really excited about the future of this team. Um, and honestly, I have no doubt that they're eventually going to win a Super Bowl one day. And then closing off today's episode with the Buffalo Sabres. So through six games, the Sabres are 2-3-1. and one. To me, their only bad game that they played was against the Capitals game one. I guess you could argue the second Flyers game, even though they kind of dominated the Flyers despite what the score said. They just went to back-to-back shootouts. Um, against the Capitals, were able to get one out of two, but get three out of four points. Goaltending still seems to be a big issue. It's been rumored that the Sabres have been looking into the goaltending market. Allmark hasn't been bad, and Hutton's hasn't been bad either. He's going to be coming back off a concussion. Um, they just sent um, Jonas Johansson back to the tax squad, so it seems like Hutton will be back, at least backing up or playing one of these two games upcoming against the Rangers. Um, just still an issue. Hall, Eichel, and Skinner have to be the most unlucky players in the NHL. They just haven't been able to bury their great scoring opportunities. Eichel, zero goals, seven assists. Um, Hall, only one goal, five assists. They're generating tons of opportunities. Once those shots start going in, I think the Sabres are going to be a very good team. They're going up against the Rangers tonight and on Thursday. Um, they're 1-3-1. and one. Kako, Sabanajan, Lafiniere are just not producing for them. They have struggling goaltenders in Shishkirkin and Georgiev. Um, I believe Shishkirkin's going to be starting tonight against them. So very good opportunity for Sabres to get four points and get themselves right back up in the middle um, of their division to get themselves right back in the playoff race. And so we're going to talk about a playoff race right now this early into the season. You know, only six games in. But with only a 54-game schedule, you can't really afford um, to be dropping games to bad teams like this. The Devils have been very surprising. Uh, Blackwood's been stellar in goaltender for them. He's probably been one of, if not the best goaltender in the NHL so far. Jack Hughes taking a big leap. Lindy Ruff is getting them to play solid defensively. Um, they're 3-1-1. One, and one. So definitely a tough task for the Sabres. But overall, I still think they should be able to go 3-1 and one in this stretch. Anything short of that um, is honestly disappointing. If you can go 3-1 and one in this stretch, get yourself to 4-4-1. Four, four, um, I definitely think that's a win. And you've taste a, face a tough Islanders team um, right after these two series. So far, you've only played Washington and Philadelphia, two of the better teams. And you've pretty much dominated or played better than them in all but one game. So I think it's definitely a good test here for the Sabres to go up against some bad teams in the Rangers-Devils. Even though the Devils are off to a hot start, I still think on paper... Um, and talent-wise, you're better than them, and you should be able to beat them. Um, it's going to be a good test for these guys um, to do so, and I think Jack and Hall are eventually going to start getting it going here. And Hopefully the Sabres have it going because after you know having a great season like this for the Bills, everyone's kind of leaning on the Sabres to keep the momentum going, and it's going to be a very frustrating year for Buffalo sports fans that the Sabres continue to be um, the way they have been. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. 
I will be back again on Friday or Saturday, whatever day uh, me and Zach are going to be able to link up and record. Talking some NBA, be going over kind of the James Harden um, trade to the Nets a little bit more now that we've seen him play there, um, how it's going. Take a look at some other things around the NBA, maybe some trade talk, um, and just kind of how things are shaking up for playoff races right now. But thank you, everyone, once again for listening. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.